coming forward. The ball's been taken slightly further back, and Gates is complaining about that. Well, that makes a change. Sheedy again goes for the other side. Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant! Come on, you seagulls, we'll follow you. Come on, you seagulls, we'll see you through. It's Everton Football Club. Here we go. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sheedy Goes for the Other Side. Joining me as always is Mr. Patrick Burke. Paddy, how are you, mate? Afternoon, Adam. Not too bad, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Um, just still trying to get over the uh, Sheffield United result the other day. I don't think quite had a chance oh, to um, oh, dear, break oh, dear, down oh, that one. Yes. No, um, um, yeah, I just I've tried I tried not I purposely tried not to think about it to be honest. Just uh, you just despair, don't you? You do. I mean, as I said, expectations going into the game were quite low and um yeah, I was still left disappointed. Um <laughs> but that sums up in last this... twenty two years. Yeah, it, it does, it does to be fair. Um so at least there's that consistency. Um, but of course, that's irrelevant in this week because uh, this week, uh, to honour the fact that it was, of course, the FA Cup final uh, last Saturday, uh, this week's episode is dedicated to all the FA Cup finals and games that stood out for us uh, during the 1980s. Um, so there's plenty of um, nostalgic gold to get through. And I've thoroughly enjoyed doing research for this. Um, plenty of John Motts and Brian Moore and uh, Barry Davis um, narrating some fantastic finals. Um, I'd, I have to say, I'd put and say that probably the golden era of the FA Cup. I was, I was, uh, was going to say, yeah, kind of the FA Cup was a real, real institution of the nineteen of the nineteen eighties, wasn't it? Kind of. Um, obviously, I guess you get your, get your stories from um, sort of your mum and dad about FA Cup final day. You basically sit and sit down and watch the telly all day, cut sort of wall to wall coverage on the BBC. Um, obviously, all the all the sort of um, all the quips you get every year about playing on pitches that resemble cow fields. Uh, obviously, the ma- the magic of the FA Cup, all, all those sort of cliches, I guess, kind of really. Um, really stem from that sort of area, the idea that anyone could be anyone, um, and I guess kind of as well, and kind of another another theme that I guess we'll we'll come back to throughout the podcast. Obviously, the the idea of replays. I mean, you're looking at now, kind of replays in the fifth uh, the fifth round. They scrapped replay. I mean, because it was the quarterfinals. They scrapped replays for, wasn't it? And then I think did they scrap the fifth round last year and this year? And um, whereas kind of you look at it throughout the eighties, and it was basically you play till as a winner, and if it need kind of. You know, if it needs three or four replays, tough. <laughs> you know, get on with it, play the game. Absolutely, it was a, it was a, there's a, there's a romanticism. I think we all we all like about we all like about the FA Cup in the eighties. Absolutely, I think with of course the European band coming into force, it certainly meant even more mm. once European football was off the table. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, kind of, yeah. I mean, and obviously. The thought of a day out to Wembley, like the day out to Wembley, uh, day out to Wembley at the end of it as well. Kind of, it's it's a big deal for the fans, and obviously these are the days, sem- the semi-finals, um, they're at they're at Villa Park, um, Old Trafford, uh, Hillsborough, Highbury, kind of at all these grounds, you know, venue sort of like a neutral a neutral venue, 
um, which really sort of added to um, the ma- the magic of the final, kind of that really made the final much more of a special occasion. I mean, kind of it's um, I think it's one thing you, you always see on tw- you know you always see on Twitter, kind of social media, you always or kind of from um, from your mum and dad every year. Uh, you know, it, it was so much better when the when when the semi finals were at the likes of the likes of Villa Park. Um, kind of there's a real nostalgia, real nostalgia for that sort of thing, which I can I can understand as well because for me, Wem- Wembley for the semi final. Um, I mean, I've I've been down for a couple of semi finals, won one, lost one, but it's um, yeah, I think I, I think I sort of prefer that era where it was sort of reserved for reserved for the final. I'd agree. I'd love a return to neutral venues for uh, the the FA Cup semi final. I mean, yeah, as you say, grounds like Villa Park and Hillsborough. Um, you know, they were synonymous with semi-final ties. Um, and yeah, it's just, it does take away from the magic of Wembley, doesn't it? Uh, when you've got so many games played there, it, there's no real um, special feel to it, I don't think, anymore. And uh, I think that's something we're definitely missing out on in the modern era. Yeah, I guess I guess the only difference is kind of, obviously Wembley's 90,000, um, Old Trafford's 70, 75, 76, kind of. Uh, obviously, the Emirates is sixty, kind of. So there's kind of once you go past Wembley, kind of you, you're dropping significant amounts and uh, significant amounts in terms of obviously capa- um, capacity. Um, but still, it's still all the same. I think kind of yeah. I think we all we all sort of I think we all sort of admire that kind of or prefer prefer the era where say you know the semi final could be a, a, a neutral venue and obviously add to the add to the specialism of the final. Absolutely, but let's start all the way back in 1980. Um, I mean, it was West Ham and Arsenal uh, who'd eventually make it to the final. But were there any games that stood out on the road to the final? Um, well, kind of, yeah. Um, for this one, I've I've gone a bit boring to be honest. I've gone for the semi-final um, between Arsenal and Liverpool. Um, so obviously, this is kind of obviously as, as we were just talk, we were talking about the replays. This one went to this one went to three replays um, before they could split them. Um, which obviously kind of give, gives you an idea of just how, um, fa- how finely poised the tie it was. Um, so the first match um, finished nil nil um, at, at Hillsborough. Uh, that was on the that was uh, that was obviously in in, in April nineteen eighty. Um, second match at Villa Park finished one each. Um, so David Fairclough put Liverpool ahead um, before Alan Sunderland equalised for Arsenal just after the hour mark. Um, Third match, uh, the third match at the end of it, at the end of April, uh, nineteen eighty, again at Villa Park, finished one each. So, um, Sunderland had Arsenal ahead from the first minute, and it looked as though um, that was going to be, that was going to be enough to take them to the final. Um, and then we, you know, as, as we got deep into second half injury time, um, Dalglish, uh, um, Dalglish grabbed the equaliser for Liverpool, which obviously it to the third replay. Um, so again, sort of dragging out. So obviously that was on, that was on the Monday. Um, and kind of uh, the f- the, four, uh, the third replay was on the Thursday. So I mean, you look you look how terrible it was that Man United had to play Tuesday and Thursday. Um, well, this is obviously this is a huge semi final, um, being played on the Saturday for the um, for the first replay, the Monday for the second, and the first and the Thursday for the third. Uh, and both both teams were still going out. You know, it was a real, you know, still a competitive game. Um, and it was Brian, Brian Tolbert after 11 minutes who, gra- who grabbed, grabbed the clinching goal um, for Arsenal at Highfield Road, at Highfield Road, Coventry. So kind of uh, perhaps a venue you less associate with sort of hosting a semi-final. Um, but obviously it, it was chosen for this one. Um, and yet that was enough to, uh, to send Arsenal through to, to the final, which as we're going to talk about, didn't exactly go to plan. So all that work for very little in the end. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, of course. That season, Arsenal were the FA Cup holders, having beaten uh, Manchester United in quite an extraordinary final uh, in '79. Um, and I suppose um, going into the game, it was quite an evenly contested affair. Really, I mean, you couldn't split the two sides at kickoff. Mm. Yeah, very much, very much. John, obviously, that's, I mean, that's clearly that's clearly reflect, reflected in each of the score lines. You know, kind of uh, nil, 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 nils, one, one, alls. And obviously, kind of the eventual one 0 win. So obviously, yeah, they were all all tight, all tight affairs. Um, and yeah, kind of just took the format, took the four matches to, um, to split the teams. So yeah, kind of a very, very, very finely poised semi final. 
absolutely. And of course, they beat eventual champions Liverpool, so it's a big scalp for Arsenal. Mm. Um, they weren't necessarily challenging at the top of the league um, towards the end of the 70s, early 80s. Um, but then if we move on to the final, um, we've got West Ham, who um, were a good side, and you know, the likes of Billy Bonds, um, yeah. obviously Trevor Brooking and Frank Lampard Sr. Uh, within the ranks. Obviously, they get off to a brilliant start, thanks to uh, Trevor Brooking. Um, and it could have been even better had it been for uh, had it not been for Willie Willie Young of Arsenal who decided to chop down 17-year-old Paul Allen uh, just as he was making a surging run through. Um, and of course that led to the rule change um, in that it was double jeopardy if it was uh, preventing a goal-saving, uh, a goal-scoring oh, opportunity, then you'd receive your marching orders. But at that point, it was still just a yellow card. I didn't realise. Was it, was it that incident that there was sort of the trigger for that? Yeah, it was really. And um, you can see why. It's a horrible challenge. I mean, the comments... Yeah, I've, I've seen it. It's not the, it's not the best. It's a great run for Paul Allen, I have to say. I mean, he's mm. weaving in and out. And it um, just absolutely hacks him down. But to be fair, I think it's probably fair to say that it's he had no choice really Willie Young I mean if you yeah. if anyone else was in his position they'd have done exactly the same yeah I mean kind of yeah you got no you got no choice and it's obviously kind of yeah if the if the, uh, if the double jeopardy double jeopardy rules not even in yet I mean it's a, it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer isn't it well, exactly yeah and you know Paul Allen maybe just should have been that yard quicker <laughs> But of course, West Ham went on to win that final um, through Trevor Brooking's goal, um, and they, they they have a decent love affair with the um, the FA Cup West Ham up until that point, anyway. Yeah, that was the that that was the third FA Cup FA Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and obviously the last last major trophy, last major trophy they've, they've won as well. So kind of I guess it is um, it's a big it's a big deal like that sort of game for. For the West Ham fan, uh, for the West Ham fans, um, obviously still still talked about to this day. Still got the Bro- um, Brooklyn final. Um, I'm pretty, I've heard it, you know, referred referred to before. Um, so yeah, kind of a big, a big afternoon for West Ham. Absolutely. Year later, um, back at Wembley uh, for Spurs, Man City. Um, but prior to that. Um, there was an interesting, um, interesting fourth round tie, and that was uh, Wrexham v West Ham. So West Ham, um, so Wrexham initially travelled down to play West Ham, and as uh, that a one-all draw at the Berlin Ground. Um, the following game was postponed. The the replay at the Racecourse Ground. Um, but in the rescheduled fixture, Wrexham won 1-0 in extra time uh, to progress through. And honestly, when I was researching this, I was thinking, I'll have a treasure trove of information about this <laughs> from the uh, the Wrexham fan sites. But there wasn't a single scrap of evidence that they'd actually played the game. It was quite I, remarkable. I guess their, their big shock was 10 years, 10 years later, wasn't it, Arsenal? Um, so I guess sort of kind of, that's going to be their sort of FA Cup, FA Cup heritage. That's going to be the one that um, everyone everyone talks about from their perspective, beating the, the mighty Arsenal in 91, 92. Yeah, indeed. But, you know, they're knocking the uh, the holders out and Wrexham at that time were second division. Mm. Uh, so it was a league below. So it was certainly um, a bit of a giant killing. Um, but obviously, the big thing being that they did knock out the holders. Then, of course... Further on down the season, we uh, eventually get to Wembley, where we see Spurs play out Man City. Um, Thomas Hutchinson scored to uh, open the scoring for City um, in the first half. But then he popped up again with an own goal to give Spurs an equaliser um, and then take the game to a replay, which is arguably 
one of those famous replays of all time. Yeah, yeah it's, an, it's an iconic one, isn't it? Great game. It really is. So, of course, Spurs take the lead through Ricky Villa, um, one of two Argentine players playing for Spurs at the time, um, along with Ozzy Ardiles. Uh, but then, about three minutes after Villa opened the scoring, uh, Steve McKenzie equalises. Then Kevin Reeves, just after half-time, puts City ahead. However, everyone's favourite BBC Sport pundit, Garth Crooks, equalises the Spurs, and then it was a great, it was a great player, by the way, Garth Crooks. Fantastic he was. Player. He was, and he's got some fantastic opinions on the game of football. I.e., Mo Salah is selfish. Um, yeah, that Bukayo, got repeated in Team of the Week, I think, didn't it this week? Bukayo Saka is arguably better than Phil Foden. Uh, some outstanding opinions, but nonetheless, a good player and got the equaliser. But then. A few minutes later, we all know what happens. Ricky Villa dances his way through the city defence and scores what's been voted the best goal ever to be scored at Wembley. Villa. And still Ricky Villa. What a fantastic run. He scored. Amazing goal. Yeah, quite so a goal. Yeah, unbelievable goal. I mean, kind of, you look you look through the, um, the Spurs team as well. Um, obviously, kind of, some some of the play some of the players you got obviously kind of um Chris Uton obviously better known as a manager now but a really a really solid really solid fullback um yeah Rick, kind of Ricky Villa obviously kind of you saw his magic with with the winning goal um Ozzy Ardell um Glenn Hoddle Garth Crooks kind of you look at that you know it's a it's a really impressive team and I guess kind of um obviously kind of enjoyed the great cup success maybe there's an argument to, um, to say as well they kind of underachieved in the league um, because they weren't really sort of uh, they weren't really sort of pushing for a league ti- uh, a league title at any point during that um, during that period where they kind of it was kind of the success was kind of sort of well prim- very much prim- primarily in the FA Cup Absolutely and you think about who's challenging for the title that season I think that's a prime opportunity for that Spurs side to Really yeah, make a decent fist for the title. You'd expect so. to see them up there, wouldn't you? Obviously, finished fourth, finished fourth in the end, was it? Um, yes. But yeah, you might kind of, you might have expected to see them sort of a bit, a bit higher. At least above their um, North London neighbours, Arsenal, who finished third. Mm. Um, but then, I think you'd take the FA Cup, wouldn't you? It's uh, certainly yeah, a good consolation prize at that point. Yeah. Um, and it gives you the opportunity to fight for a place in uh week. Well, you can always fight in Europe for European Cup Winners Cup trophy. Yeah, which was a, a big a big thing at that point. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm lying as well. Look, God, I you know what I looked I was looking at the following year as well. Spurs finished tenth that year. Um but obviously kind of saving grace got got them into Europe and as we as we say, kind of it was a big um big sort of competition as well, right through right through the eighties. It really was. Um but then they're back again for the 82 Cup final. However, prior to that, did you uh, did you spot any giant killings? Um, I'm going for a giant killing for this one. I've gone for um, a game called the Far- Farce of Filbert Street um, in the quarterfinal. Um, so two second division teams, Leicester City and Shrewsbury Town, last, uh, in the sixth round of the FA Cup. Um, and Gary Lineker uh, actually chose this match as the greatest game he ever played in. Uh, Phil, uh, Philbert Street. Um, so he was he was playing and he and he scored that day. Um, basically crazy game. Finished five finished five two to Leicester. Um, Thirteen minutes injury time. At a, um, during an era where kind of you know anything you know I guess three minutes of injury time was was a lot. But you know kind of thirteen minutes. Um, four goalkeepers for Leicester. Um, so Leicester's uh, Leicester's main Leicester's first choice goalkeeper. Uh, Mark, Mark, Wallington, uh, Mark Wallington stayed on uh, after a, when he had a thigh injury and um, basically forced by his manager to stay on um, was responsible for responsible for two goals uh, being given away and then if, uh, kind of after his second mistake um, was forced to come off but obviously kind of these days or kind of in this era there's only, only one sub um, so kind of he was replaced by centre forward uh, Alan Young who went in goal and um, 
kind of young later in the game later in the game was actually in, injured himself and replaced by Steve uh, Steve Linux. Um and then uh, believe it or not he came back young came back on uh, to go to go back in goal. Uh, well he came came on at field at first and then came came on to go back in goal. Um and line uh Linux got pushed over to the right wing um and set up Leicester's fair goal, which was obviously kind of the decisive one. Um and kind of yeah in the in the end they ran up five two winners but kind of extra, extraordinary match. Um and again just show just shows you when you put eleven players from both teams on a football pitch and you put a ball in the middle, anything can happen. Absolutely. It sounds almost like a Sunday league game. You know, in terms of the keeper uh, having to come back on. Yeah, no, it's um I guess of of its of its time, I guess, wasn't it? Kind of that sort of um um that sort that sort of thing going on. And but yeah, it sounds like it sounds like an extraordinary, extraordinary match. Absolutely. Yeah, cast iron. They really were, weren't they? Uh you wouldn't get that nowadays, would you? No. <laughs> But of course, um, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't get a play. Yeah, I don't think you get a play going off and then coming back on. And then, I, and then I find that uh, hard to believe. But of course, Spurs and QPR play out a, an all London final that year. Um, I think the uh, the first game that was played was a bit of a drab affair during the ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, Spurs. Took the lead in extra time through Glenn Hoddle. QPR equalised five minutes later through Terry Fennick. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a case in an all under final of uh, London buses in terms of the goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, pretty much. All kind of sounds like a sounds like a pretty pretty drab ninety minutes to be honest. Um, not one not one to write home about. Um, and then yeah, sort of explode. You know, and um, how many and how many times have you seen it happen? Kind of nothing happens, and then sort of one team one. Team Nicole and it obviously spring springs the other interaction. Um, so yeah, that that took us to, to the replay, didn't it? Where we had an equally drab affair with uh, Glenn Hoddle's sixth minute penalty uh, proving to be the match winner. I mean, you're looking for some signs of quality in that game, but there's very little to as you say, right home about. Um, neither fi- neither the uh, initial final nor the replay were particularly uh, awash with football in brilliance. Yeah. yeah, I guess the only thing you can say is kind of QPR as a second kind of second division team at the time. You know, probably um, probably sort of suited them as well, didn't it? Kind of making kind of uh, making the game like that, making the game a bit of a tense affair. Um, obviously, kind of settled in the replay by one goal. Um, I guess kind of yeah shows the you know the kind of the at least uh, at least gave gave Spurs a game gave Spurs a game in the final um, so yeah no kind of probably probably suited them probably suited them more than Spurs um, but Spurs still had enough in the end obviously with sort of the players they had on the pitch to um, Hoddle in particular obviously score, scoring in both matches to um, to clinch the cup yeah absolutely I mean he was a phenomenal player Glenn Hoddle and if you're looking for anyone to inspire that Spurs side that day against a dogged yeah. QPR and credit to them because as you say they were a second division outfit um, it would have been Glenn Hoddle um, fantastic footballer um, and you know I think that gets lost amid the the punditry these days he was yeah um, a superb what, player yeah fantastic player and kind of this final as well obviously Ricky um, Ricky Villa chose not to play didn't he um, over the over kind of Falklands War and obviously sort of uh, Britain's intervention there, um, which I guess can so on the pitch I guess that sort of set the stage, um, Hoddle to um, Hoddle to come to the fore and try and um, drag his team through the match. Obviously, goal goal in in both ties suggested suggested he did. Absolutely, and I think drag is the most appropriate word for that. But nevertheless, Spurs had two FA Cups in two seasons. After that. Which- at the time was a pretty remarkable achievement because of the competitiveness within that competition. Mm. Um, you know, nowadays perhaps see less of that, um, but certainly credit to them. Uh, a good cup side they were. Yeah, very, yeah, very much so. Obviously, kind of, yeah, uh, that that season um, came fourth in the league and um, qualified qualified for 
the UA, qualify for the UEFA Cup. Um, but yeah, kind of yeah, as you say, kind of the, the cup success was very much um, their sort of forte during that during that period. Absolutely. Then, of course, a season later, there aren't there's there's no Spurs in the final, um, but we do have Brighton versus Manchester United. Mm. However, once again, prior to that, uh, there are some upsets, namely with finalist Brighton. Um, where they defeat Liverpool um, in the quarterfinal, quite remarkable. Um, Liverpool had gone 63 home cup matches without a defeat, which is re- just ridiculous. I think the last their last game was um, the last game they lost was in the League Cup in 1974 against Middlesbrough. Um, so they'd gone nine years without defeat at home in the cup. And um, in charge of Brighton that day was uh, caretaker manager and ex-red, Jimmy Melia. Joe Ryan opened the scoring for Jimmy Melia's side before Craig Johnson equalised. Um, but within a minute of Jerry Ryan um, having his opener ruled out by Craig Johnson, former red, Jimmy Case, Wins the match for... Uh, was he playing for Brighton that day? Yeah, he was. He was. I didn't realise. Yeah, quite remarkable. Because, of course, Jimmy Case is synonymous with Liverpool Football Club. And, uh, of course, last week... Yes. And, uh, of course, last week we spoke about him at great length uh, in our Liverpool podcast, which we were glad to get out of the way. Um, but I think what's remarkable about that one is that, obviously, Brighton finished bottom. Yeah. And Liverpool just walk to the title that season. So to have such contrasting seasons in terms of the league and then to meet in the FA Cup and produce a result like that, I think it does show the magic of the Cup, really. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a leveller, isn't it, the Cup? Kind of, um, you know, I think every player, I guess, can get can get up, get themselves up for a Cup tie, can't they? You know, it's hard not to get yourself up, um, not, to, not to get yourself up for it. Um, and obviously, yeah, kind of, as I say, again, it's, it's a leveller. Um, Kind of explain some of the some of the crazy results you've seen over over the decades. Absolutely, of course. Later on, we see Brighton in the final, and they come up against Ron Atkinson's Man United. Um, Ron Atkinson, obviously uh, clad in fake tan, <laughs> makes his way out to the uh, to the dugout at Wembley, um, and watches his team go 1-0 down um, within quarter of an hour to Gordon Smith. Um, but after half-time, um, I imagine he gave him a bit of a rollicking. And <laughs> that was a great effect as Frank Stapleton uh, scored the equaliser. Then, not our Gary Stevens, um, but Gary Stevens, who was... Uh, perhaps more famous for playing for Spurs, um, equalises late on to cancel out Ray Wilkins' goal midway through the second half. And the ball back, and the loss of momentum, and now Brighton have the initiative. I mean, they've started to push men forward, they invited them to push men well, forward, Brighton are doing still, it. If Brighton are still strong enough, they can yet grab the initiative. Here's Grealish, will he try a shot? He's trying it for Stevens. So finishes up 2-2. Um, but again, another remarkable result for Brighton. Yeah, I mean, kind of despite despite relegation that season, I think kind of that's it's talked about as um, in in Brighton circles as kind of you know I guess a year a year to remember for for, for the cup run for uh, obviously pushing United um, to the replay in the into the replay in the final as well. Kind of it's still remembered very fondly, um, but down on down on the south coast there. Um, so again, kind of that shows the importance of the FA Cup in that era. Obviously, kind of. Yes, relegation, but still, what a um, what a fantastic achievement from Brighton to, to reach the final. Absolutely, but unfortunately, Man United romped to victory in the next game four 0 It's a bit of a non-event, really. Brian Robson getting a brace, um, Norman Whiteside scoring, but then Arnold Muren, formerly of Ipswich, 
Um, yeah, talked about, talked about him a length, didn't we, the other week? We did. Phenomenal player, but did Brighton no favours that day. Um, then we move on to 84. Was there any particular games in the run-up to the final that you thought were particularly interesting? Well, I picked up one. Uh, it tends to get mentioned quite regularly, sort of um, every year, and it's obviously kind of linked. Obviously, United going to this, going to this uh, this year's FA Cup as the holders, having beaten Brighton. Um, but they came and stuck um, further west on the south coast, travelled to Bournemouth in the third in the third round. Uh, Bournemouth married, um, managed by Harry Redknapp in his first managerial job, um, and kind of yeah. Um, Ron Atkinson's team basically cut um corn stuff. Um so kind of red, uh, red talked about how there was um an interview with Atkinson from the night before, um, where basically kind of he just he sort of took took it took, took the time for granted almost. Um, which kind of on on paper, I guess, you know, Bournemouth third division, Man United holders, um U first division, etc. Um you, you might have thought so, but again, this is this is the FA Cup and goal goals from Milton Graham and Ian Thompson. Um, so saw off the Red Devils sent Bournemouth through, and I guess kind of it's one that really started Redknapp's sort of managerial career. Really brought him to brought him to the fore, and obviously I think everyone's aware of kind of the career he's gone on to have gone on to have it sort of managing managing numerous managing numerous clubs. Um, and I guess that was kind of, that was sort of what what kickstarted it all, and a, obviously a huge shock on the day as well to. Um, to knock out the holders. Absolutely, because, I mean, despite the fact that they weren't winning titles, they were still a decent side, Man United. They had Brian Robson, Mark Hughes, yep. to name but a few. And for Bournemouth, you know, um, a lowly side, to go there and uh, get a result was uh, quite remarkable. Well, it was, it was probably probably their great, their probably their greatest day in history up until a few years ago, wasn't it? Kind of up until sort of the um, Manchester propel themselves into the Premier League. You know, it probably probably went probably went down as, um, you know, you know, kind of moments certainly in their history. Um, up, as I, yeah, as I say, up until up until they joined Premier League and obviously kind of looking to get back, looking to get back there now. Absolutely, but in the in the final, um, a certain Everton played Elton John's Watford. Do you want to talk us through that one, Paddy? Yes, um, kind of. I think. I mean, you watch Howard's way. You know, it, it's evident that kind of this was this was a trophy Everton needed to win. Um, kind of uh, Howard. Howard was obviously done kind of a decent, you know, a decent job turning around what was. A bit of a sink, got a, a bit of a sinking ship, um, kind of um, at, at the start, at the start of his tenure. Um, but I guess this was this one that Everton really needed to win. Um, sort of number of notable, number of notable, notable victories along the way. Um, so the semi, the semi-final, Highbury, Adrian Eve kind of right, um, three minutes to go, um, in extra time against Southampton, um, sent Everton through to the, sent Everton through to the final. Um, following up on kind of win wins against like the on two replays, um, but I think kind of um, up against the Watford side, they were you know a decent, you know a very more than decent side uh, back then. Kind of um, fin- finished second. Was it, was it was it this season or season before they, fin- they finished second? Season earlier they finished second. Yeah, se- se- yeah, yeah. Season er- season earlier they finished second. Um, but still, still kind of a, a very decent side. Obviously, kind of uh, managed by Graham Taylor, who took them up right through the divisions, right from the fourth division um, into into the first division, as high as second the year before. Um, John Barnes, I guess, kind of the um, the headline headline act in their team. You know, kind of what you know, just what a, what a player at the end of the day. You know, you know, a really, really outstanding, outstanding player, outstanding talent. Um, but I guess, kind of. There was a sense that once Everton got there, once Everton got, once Everton went back at Wembley, kind of there was there was no way they were going to lose. Um, opened the scoring seven minutes before half time, um, through Graham Sharp, sort of, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, a real real standout player of the time, you know, kind of knew where the knew where the back of the net was, put it that way. Um, and then a goal that's kind of 
still, well, if you're a Watford fan, I don't think you're, yeah, don't think you're particularly happy about it. No. Um, and and Andy Gray, Andy Gray, six minutes after half time, um, challenged the Watford keeper, Steve Sherwood. Um, assertively, can we, should we say, yeah, yeah, he, um, yeah, I, I think assertively is the best way to describe it. Definitely, Asser- yeah, assertively man- managed to get sufficient sufficient contact on the ball to turn it home and um, clinch clinch a two 0 win for Everton um, and bring the FA Cup back back to Merseyside. Mm-hmm. Since 19, first time since nineteen sixty six for Everton as well. So it was obviously kind of eighteen years of huge huge moment and first trophy fourteen years as well. So it was a long time coming and. Just going back to the, the grey goal, John Motson's on the commentary for the BBC that day, and he says Sherwood didn't collect. So we'll go with that, I think. Graham Sharp waiting in the centre, and Gray is closing in here. Oh, and Sherwood didn't collect, and the goal is given. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm more than yeah. Uh, you can always trust Motty, can't you? You can. So that was a massive moment for Everton, of course. It kick-started that three-year spell where they were arguably the best side in Europe. And yeah. Eight it trophies. Was, it was definitely the catalyst for Four success, seasons. wasn't it? Yeah, 100%, yeah, 100% kind of, um, kind of a, a, I guess, a convinced Everton that they were um, a team, you know, it's a team of winners. Um, kind of, obviously, yeah, they had, had that experience of kind of winning, winning a big match, kind of lifting, lifting silverware. And I guess once they had that, once they had that hunger, um, once he had the hunger, you know, kind of, there was uh, there was nothing that was going to stop them, as they proved the following season in the league. Exactly, and once we got to the quarterfinals against Ipswich, I think everyone believed that we could go the whole way, and we were on on course to win the famous treble at that point. So we faced Ipswich Town in the uh, the sixth round, and enjoyed quite a, mem- a memorable uh, two-all draw. Obviously, didn't get the win, but everyone remembers that game for a particular incident that gives this podcast its name. Um, mm. Kevin Sheedy lines up the free kick. Um, I think it was about five minutes gone that day. And yeah, uh, yeah Kevin Sheedy lines up the free kick. Bang, straight, straight in the bottom corner. Well, then the referees decided that he hadn't blown his whistle, so asked him to retake it. Then just sticks it in the other side. Um, it's quite brilliant, and it showed how good he was. Um, yeah, both in dead balls and in open play. You know, he could swing the ball in beautifully. Mm. Yeah, very, very much. All kind of it's, um, it's an it's an iconic Goodison goal. It's not Goodison goal. Goodison goals. Um, kind of yeah. Just obviously, yeah, kind of okay. You won't let me put it that side, or right, sound, yeah. I'll just I'll stick it that side. You know, you know what a left foot. It's just unbelievable. His yeah, absolute wand of a left boot. Obviously, putting us ahead, but then it switch went ahead later on in the game. It's a bit of a poor performance, and then uh, I think we equalised later on. Um, actually, quite late on. Uh, luckily, though, in the uh, the replay at Portman Road. Graham Sharp salvages a 1-0 win. But also that season, um, Barnsley caused a bit of a shock when they knock out uh, Laurie McMenemy's Southampton side, who were a particularly good side at this point. Um, they, you know, they were finishing the top, top eight most seasons um, and they were forced to be reckoned with under the Geordie. And... Barnsley went to Southampton, went to the Dell, and uh, nicked a win. It was quite, quite something. So that was a, a, another memorable moment from the uh, the road to the final. Uh, but of course, the final that year was contested by Everton again. But this time they were facing eighty-three Cup final winners, Manchester United. Obviously, this season wouldn't yield success for the Blues, unfortunately. Uh, Manchester United would avail, but do you want to talk us through that final, Paddy? Yeah, I mean Everton obviously kind of free, uh, kind of in the week had gone gone to Rotterdam, brought back the brought back the cup uh, the cup winners cup, 
um, Everton, the, Everton the league winners by by considerable margin. Um, so the cup winners club, uh, the cup winners cup um, against Rapid Vienna sort of clinched the double. Um, and there was no doubt Everton were the best the best team in the country um, at that time. But you know you're going up against you're going up against Manchester, well beating um, beating Manchester United five nil um, that year, aren't they? Um, kind of. But at the same time, you know, you're going up against Manchester United in, in an FA Cup final. Um, anything, anything, anything can happen. And ultimately, the, the game was the game was settled in extra time by Norman Whiteside. Um, fanta- fantastic goal. Um, to be honest, kind of a curling low shot into the bottom corner um, with about about ten minutes uh, ten minutes left of um, of extra time, and that was kind of. Everton just seemed to run out. Of, Everton just ran out of steam, kind of at the final hurdle, didn't they? Kind of what what would have been an unbelievable, an unbelievable, still wasn't an unbelievable season, but what would have been an unbelievable trouble. Absolutely, and I think you know Graham Sharp said he remembers playing and just feeling absolutely shattered. Yeah, he, you know, you've gone through that emotional ringer on Wednesday night, you know, four days ago. Yeah, and. You barely have time to recover. You know, the flight home, you're obviously going to have a few beers, aren't you? And you're going to feel naturally quite jaded in the final. So yeah. I think to lose 1-0 is testimony to how good that side was, perhaps. You know, when you consider that. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, went to, back, went to back to time as well, didn't it? Kind of just, um, and yeah, in, in the in the end, just, just ran out of steam, which was, um, which was a shame, but still didn't take away from what was an, un- an unbelievable season. Absolutely. I mean, next season we're back at Wembley again. But just prior to that, uh, what are we flagging up as a uh, memorable? Um, match 90, uh, yeah, eighty-six. I've gone for um, a bit of an, up, an upset by a bit of a bit of a famous non-league team, um, Altrincham. Um, so yeah, as I say, kind of a, fam- a famous name in non-league circles of um, about ten years earlier, nineteen seventy-five. Um, they played Everton, um, taking Everton, taking Everton to a replay. Um, but this, I guess, this is probably their, um, this was probably their day in the sun, uh, day in the sun, I guess, um, in the third round, in the third round. Um, yeah, going going to Birmingham, um, going to Birmingham and winning two, winning two one, um, kind of big result, big upset. Um, twelve hundred fans, um, travel from travel from Altrincham. Um, clearly, clearly went all uh, went all happy, and I guess kind of uh, probably the probably the landmark, probably the landmark upset in that season. I would say, one hundred percent. I think Birmingham was decent side at that point as well. Yeah, they were tough. Um, you know, we we just seen Pat Van Den Hal come to Everton from Birmingham, and yeah. he summed up what Birmingham were about: a tough tackling side. Uh, who could also play a bit too fair, and you know, for Altrincham to go there and get a, get a result was just remarkable, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, obviously, kind of um, beating Black beating Blackpool um, in the second round as well um, at Blackpool, so by the same scoreline, two one, two uh, one. Um, so kind of yeah, knocking two knocking two league clubs out, getting to the fourth round. Um, decent, decent run by any any non-league team standards, I would say. Definitely, and of course they didn't make it to the final that year. It was unfortunately Liverpool instead who get there, and uh, we could have done without meeting them. So just for a bit of context, yeah, we'd blown our chances of winning the league um, with a an awful performance at Oxford, which put the title into basically handed Liverpool the title um, they won they eventually would win the title however we were going into this game looking for a bit of consolation um, against our our neighbours and um, unfortunately it wasn't to be the case that we'd uh, seek that consolation unfortunately Liverpool would run out 3-1 winners that day um, we did open the scoring with uh, Gary Lineker in the first half, but then endured a bit of a collapse in the second. Yeah, not um, not great. So obviously, kind of rush you. Gas kind of was 
the scourge, the scourge of Everton for for a number of, a number of years, right throughout the eighties. Kind of Everton just Everton just couldn't. Well, like like most teams, to be fair, Everton Everton just couldn't hand, couldn't handle him. So he equalised um, in the in the fifty six minute. Um, Craig Craig Johnson six minutes later, just after the hour mark. Um, Craig Johnson turned yeah turned turned the tie on its head, um, and then it was kind of yeah clinched by clinched by Rush with seven with seven minutes to go. Um, and yeah, another another miserable affair against against the neighbours for the Blues. Yeah, not great, was it? We'll just skip over this one. We've given enough time. Yeah, I, to I, 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 I don't really week. want to talk about it. To be honest, no. Which brings on nicely to 1987, where in the third round, it's not exactly an upset, but it's a big game nonetheless. Chester City face Wrexham. At the racecourse ground. Yeah, taste the Yes, I can imagine. So, Wrexham take the lead through uh, Jim Steele just before the half-time break. But then Gary Bennett scores two on the 70th minute and one with three minutes to go um, to give Chester the win at the home of their hated neighbours uh, from across the border um, but that that one I just wanted to flag up um, because that would have been a massive game um, in this part of the world and under Harry McNally Chester enjoyed a few seasons in the sun The so that particular sun being uh, the third division uh, that was about as far as they'd get but nonetheless it was a great period in the club's history and you know any victory against Brexham sweet but to win it in that fashion yeah, later on, well. it does go down very well. Um, but another another quite incredible aspect of that um, that season's FA Cup was the fact that little old Wigan got to the uh, the quarterfinals that year. They were only in the third division at that point. And I didn't, didn't realise they had that. Sort of, uh, didn't realise they had that sort of uh, history in the eighties in the cup. Yeah, it was. It was um, it was some record. They uh, they would beat fifth place Norwich City one nil in the uh, the fifth round, which was quite an incredible result given that there were two leagues separating the two the two sides. Uh, and Norwich were enjoying a good season as well, so uh, it really was quite an upset. And obviously, twenty six years later. Wigan will be lifting the FA Cup that exact mm. same scoreline, but up until that point, that was about as close as they get. Yeah, inter- interesting, uh, interesting example. Yeah, and uh, obviously Wigan uh, third division that time. Did you say? Yeah, third division. Yeah, third division. Um, and yeah, kind of, I, I assumed sort of twenty thirteen. Obviously, kind of some of the more recent runs to the, the quarters, the semis. I assume that was kind of um, the extent of their FA Cup history. But yeah, clearly not. You know, kind of very decent run. Very decent run in 87. Certainly. And whilst they wouldn't make it to the final, it represented real success for the club. However, once the size that did make it to the final, um, Spurs were back at Wembley uh, for the first time in the FA Cup since 1982. And they would face Coventry, who were certainly the underdogs going into this game. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Coventry, I guess, kind of a team who'd always been sort of there in the first division. I mean, when when they got they got relegated in the nineties, it had been some it had been something like with it. I know it was a, it was a long a long stint in the in the first division anyway. Um, but yeah, this was certainly their this was certainly their big day um, in in this in this final. Absolutely, I mean, you look at that Coventry side. You know, they finished in mid table. Um, but Spurs that season were also vying for the uh, the championship for for parts of that season. Their title challenge fell away um, towards the back end of the season, but nevertheless were still in and around um, the running for the title. They eventually finished third, and yeah, as I said, they were everyone's favourites for that final. But Coventry had other ideas on that day. Um, not initially, however, because Clive Allen 
um, scored his 49th goal of that season, which is an unbelievable record. Uh, in the second 49 minute, goals? Scoring. Yeah, 49 goals. Blimey. Yeah, it was some go in that. And then David Bennett equalised uh, inside 10 minutes for Coventry. So it was a pretty good, good start to the game. Uh, lived up to the hype. Then Gary Mabbott would uh, unfortunately spoil Coventry's first half by putting Spurs ahead just before half-time. But Keith Uchin was there to uh, equalise again for Coventry in the 63rd minute. And then the man who would put Spurs ahead just before half-time, costing the game as his own goal in extra time, wins it for Coventry City. And uh, it's certainly a memorable final, uh, not least because of the fact that um, Coventry were the underdogs, but because it was such an entertaining game. Yeah, certainly one, certainly one of the best, isn't it? You know, kind of um, another FA Cup vote most years um, when you get when you get FA Cup coverage. Um, and yeah, kind of for Coventry for Coventry as well. Kind of certainly, certainly a huge, prob- certainly the greatest day in their in their history. I think you can I think you could say without doubt and. They're a club that's starting to get itself back together and hopefully we can see them build on the uh, relative success they've had in the past couple of seasons and hopefully they'll be back in the top flight within the next five years. They're going back home as well, going back home as well aren't they? Because they've been playing at, um, been playing at Birmingham. I'm pretty, pretty sure they're going back to Rico next season. Yeah, there's, I think there's strong rumours of that. But, you know, uh, I, I feel for Coventry, they're a club that's had their fair share of... Um, disappointment over the past 20 years that's for sure and I think it's about time that they had their moment in the sun again yeah definitely I mean kind of I think um, before they got promoted from League 2 about three or four years ago uh, I'm sure I'm sure I st- saw a start it had been it had been some crazy period before uh, it been something like 40 years since they finished like in the top six or the top seven um, of a league kind of obviously kind of yeah they've been in there they've been in the top like for 40 odd years um, but kind of mostly been sort of mid table to kind of bottom half bottom half finishes. Um, I kind of I, I can't I can't remember exactly what the stat was, but I'm sure when they when they came up through the playoffs in League Two about three three or four years ago, it was the first yeah the first time they finished in top six top six top, some some sort, some sort of stat like that for um, quite a long time. Um, but yeah, it looked like they looked like they're onto something at the moment. With Mark Robbins the helm. Another famous FA Cup name, of course, if slightly outside our era. Of course, keeping Fergie in the job. Then next season, um, Liverpool are absolutely storming to the title and play some of the finest football, um, the football league had ever seen at that point. Um, you know, with John Barnes, the catalyst for all this, and they've got a wonderful side under Kenny Dalglish. As I said, John Barnes. Ray Halson, um, they were playing some phenomenal football and looked as if they uh, they wouldn't be caught in either the league or the FA Cup. But before we get to the final, were there any games that stood out for you in that season's competition? Um, I was thinking of you when I saw the very first when I saw the very first tie um, in that competition. So tie number one in the first round, Chester City against Runcorn. Um, wow. And a, yeah, um, yeah, nice, uh, nice little local local clash there. Um, so run, yeah, Runcorn ran out one nil, one nil, one nil winners. Uh, on that occasion, I didn't bother looking into the game uh, because I didn't really care to be honest. To be honest. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> uh, but kind of yeah, the, the special, um, the special, um, or kind of the bit, the big story that I picked out again. It's been been our own team Everton against Sheffield against Sheffield Wednesday in the third round. Um, a very, very, very famous tie. Um, so three time, three times we played Sheffield Wednesday, um, and I finished one all. So kind of the first tie, Hillsborough one each. Um, a couple of replays at Goodison finished one each, um, and then we went to Hillsborough for the third for the third replay, um, and we were five nil up at half time. Um, so work just worked that worked that one out. Uh, I mean the stories have kind of. I think there was 
um, people had a couple of difficulties getting over to um, getting over to Sheffield that day. Um, so there were people who turned up at half time and were just and couldn't believe that Everton were Everton were five 0 up. Um, but yeah, kind of obviously Everton plays Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup this year. That was, that was kind of one that got um, one that got um, brought back up. Uh, and I guess just a bit of a uh, just a bit of a quirky um, quirky sort of FA Cup sort of FA Cup tie. Uh, again, the theme of kind of yeah, just play play till as a winner. Um, something else, just something else, kind of enjoy about this and um, that sort of time. Yeah, I mean, we know better than most how much of a pain it is to get to Sheffield from our side. Yes, and it's good that they had the same experience that day. Uh, <laughs> we can empathise with them. Um, but yeah, I I would struggle to believe if someone told me it was five nil. Uh, and I arrived yeah. there that day, especially with all those replays. You wonder what we were playing at for the uh, yeah the first few games. Well, yeah. it's bizarre, absolutely bizarre. I like, you know, three games can all over the next level, and then just in forty-five minutes can pan out like that. Yeah, but as the uh, the saying goes, Everton that. Yes. Um, anyway, we'll enjoy talking about this final because Liverpool, who. With the all conquering Reds, they were winning everything, every game. Come on, stuck against little old Wimbledon. Yeah, I mean, I think if he's this probably going to be this is probably going to be thing that comes off. I mean, hardly anyone gave gave Wimbledon a chance. Um, it was just yeah, kind of it was it was almost almost a foregone conclusion. Um, but kind of 30, 37 minutes in. Um, the shock was the shock was on. Um, Laurie, San, Laurie Sanchez with the header. Paul Young and Fashion are in there. Sanchez was in there, and that's a goal for Wimbledon. Um, kind of gave gave in the lead. Um, gave Wimbledon the lead at half time. Um, and then kind of second half we saw an FA Cup final first. Um, the first ever penalty saved. Um, in an, in an FA Cup final uh, by Dave Besant against. John Aldridge. Um, so again, kind of penalty gets given into here you go. Kind of no, normal service may well be resumed here. Um, but obviously, kind of yet yeah, they they doesn't come up with a save from Aldo. Goes down as one of, if not the greatest cup shock in history. The crazy gang have beaten the culture club. It was incredible, it really was. And then you've got the, the iconic John Watson line. The crazy gang have beaten the culture club. Beating the culture club. <laughs> I suppose it, it wasn't too far because Liverpool are playing this attractive brand of foot, football, you know, passing football, quick, sharp, incisive. Wimbledon a bit more direct with their play. Get it in the mixer was the classic shout. And yeah, there was a lot, yeah, a lot less culture to their play. And, you know, their tag as the crazy gang was pretty apt. Um, and but, this, this, by the way, as well, it was, a club have only been professional for eleven years, and have elected into the football league from um, from the from the Southern Football League as it was then, um, and kind of yeah played the way up through the divisions, and then played the way to um, again kind of as we've come to the year before biggest day in the biggest day in their history. Yeah, their their rise to the first division was quite an incredible story, and they stayed there until two thousand, and of course. Their struggles with finances were well documented, um, but this period for Wimbledon was certainly their, their glory. Yeah, absolutely. The next season's FA Cup was sadly, um, a rather, it caused a real tragedy um, with the Hillsborough disaster, of course, taking place um, and the in that year's semi-final. Um, just a really dark day for football. Mm. Yeah, just um, just it's one of them. I think kind of it's just pure num pure numbness, isn't it? Kind of you look at you look at what, what happened that day. But you know, I think we thought we talked about this in a previous podcast as well. I think Everton played Everton played Norwich at Villa Park that day, got through to the FA Cup final, and the journey back was just the most horrible. Kind of journey, journey, but you can never imagine because you got family, friends, 
um at Hillsborough there that day kind of and you're just you're just waiting on you're just waiting on news um obviously because of the because of the tragic events that have gone on um and then well they've gone on and then covered and then they've been covered up essentially for 25 for, for 25 uh, 30 years it's just um just you just you just wonder how you just wonder how it can happen um how how it's even possible it's just it's a it's a horrible it's a horrible one to um to have to talk about it really is no one should go to a football match and lose their lives it's just you know i was watching the scenes earlier today it's just heartbreaking you know you have people helping others onto different different terraces and you know there's people literally lifting people up from the bottom tier into the top tier and it's just there's people on the pitch and it's just yeah completely heartbreaking yeah i mean and, I've, um, obviously, I've seen i've seen sort of obviously kind of documentaries so and obviously the news coverage when it's come on but um i've, I've gen- never brought myself to sort of watch the watch the actual coverage um actual coverage of kind of the match the, the incident because it's just it's that horrendous that horrible it's just yeah it really really is and you know it was poignant that it's it was an all merseyside cup final that year and even more poignant that the trophy went to liverpool yeah i mean kind of i guess it was just you couldn't have had a more fitting game against Kadja because obviously kind of just that you know uh obviously all, all the emotion kind of surrounding the game from the fans the you know the fans the players um and then kind of on the pitch they went on and put you know what was what was an, out, an outstanding game of football um and i guess it's it, it kind of i guess kind of the the right the right team won the right team won. you know it couldn't have gone couldn't have gone kind of much better really i suppose as as an, as an occasion as a sort of a tribute to um what's happened on that horrible um that horrible semi-final certainly um i mean 32 years on and still not got justice and uh i don't think we need to discuss that too much we uh everyone i'm sure who listens to this will uh, understand our our opinions on um you know how the evidence has been covered up for so long and how justice still has tabloid press has printed out and out lies out just some of the most disgraceful coverage you've ever seen in your entire life kelvin mckenzie the son just horrendous yes it was um, it really was a dark period for football and um, rightly ushered in some safety reviews of stadiums um, in the uh, Taylor report uh, later that year and hopefully we never ever see scenes like that again at a football stadium but of course it's been um, good to look back on uh, period, as we said at the start of the show, when the FA Cup reigned supreme, it was the uh, the focal point of every season. And mm. in some cases, people prefer to win the FA Cup to the actual league championship itself. Yeah, it was a fantastic competition. And I think we're both traditionalists when it comes to the FA Cup. How would you revive the FA Cup at the moment? What what do you think needs to happen to you know, get it back to its glory days. Um, start just literally, literally, teams start taking it more. Teams start taking it more seriously. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's the FA Cup. I mean, you should, as far as far as I'm concerned, you should be up for it. You should want to win it. You should want to win it every year. Um, you should be putting sort of your strongest, strongest team out. So I guess just, um, just a plea for teams to give it the respect that it deserves. I'd agree, and I'd say it's a very controversial one. It probably won't ever come off. But I was I was saying the other day that if we gave a place in the Champions League to whoever won it, I think that would inspire a bit more uh, will to properly compete in it. I think yeah, I think it's I think it certainly would. Um, but yeah, I can't see it sadly. No. 
So just right. as I can't see, just as I can't see teams taking it more, kind of going my idea, kind of taking it more seriously themselves, um, in the next 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 few years, unfortunately. Well, hopefully, our pipe dreams at the moment do come true, and uh, there's it, we see a revival of that competition. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for your time, Paddy. Um, it's been great to chat about, yeah, as I said, the, the glory days of the FA Cup. Yeah, it's been it's been, it's been great to look back, hasn't it? You know, kind of some some shocks, some great games, great foot, um, kind of great football right right the way through the decade. Yeah, it's been um, it's been an enjoyable one. Certainly has, and thank you to you, the listener, for listening today. That been we appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully you can join us next week for another look back to the 80s.